if you're trying to forecast what decisions are going to be made or, or, or what types of legislation are going to be coming out of the political processes, it's hard to do that in a short time frame. It really requires us to be able to track these relationships over time. Welcome to Baker's Dozen, a podcast series about geopolitics from Stratfor, a rain company. I'm your host, Roger Baker. In surveys of corporate leadership, geopolitics often ranks in the top five key risks companies worry about. This trend has increased since the global financial crisis, which Alan Greenspan blamed in part on global geopolitical forces. It was reinforced by the drawn-out Brexit process, and it's been heightened as U.S.-China relations have deteriorated and there are growing worries over great power competition. But despite the concern, many businesses still struggle to assess and integrate geopolitical risk and opportunity into their planning and operations. The topic often appears too large, too nebulous, and too distant for businesses to actually impact. I'm joined today by Dr. Stephen Smith, a management professor in the College of Business at Florida Atlantic University. Dr. Smith has worked to integrate geopolitical concepts and analysis into business education and practice, and he and I have worked together to develop a certificate in geopolitical analysis geared toward business professionals. Thank you for joining me today, Steve. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Roger. So, Steve, as I've mentioned, geopolitics is one of these uh, big topics. Um, It's traditionally sat primarily in the space of international relations, public policy, uh, the ways that nations look at their interactions. Um, Clearly, though, businesses are recognizing that it's important and that it has impacts in multiple ways through uh, regulations, through tariffs, um, through just changes in the ease of doing business in different parts of the world. When you're working with companies or with uh, uh, students, how do you define geopolitics and how do you explain its significance to business? Well, I define geopolitics as really understanding the relationships between major global players, major countries in the world, and how their interactions will shape the business environment. And, and you know, also assessing the power relationships between, between countries and how that also affects, you know, the relationships between the countries and how the countries interact in terms of trade and so on. So all of that sort of encompasses geopolitics and, and the way that we integrate it into the classroom and into our discussions of of strategy, strategy formulation, strategic analysis, and so on. What are some of the the ways that you've seen, either in your business experience or in, in working with some of these uh, other companies or working with these students, that you've seen geopolitics have either a positive or a negative impact um, directly or indirectly on businesses? I guess probably most, one example comes to mind is really as it relates to sanctions, so, you know, both in my corporate career and also in, in my academic work, um, you know, we've had to deal with uh, sanctions quite a bit. And, and, for example, doing business with certain countries that say in the Middle East, right, um, I had one client who was doing business uh, with a company that was based in Dubai, but they also had operations in Iran. And, and so there was a lot of concern about if they would be violating any sanctions and, and so those types of things come up quite a bit. And as you mentioned earlier, tr- uh, tariffs when it comes to trade. And, and you know, for example, the, 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 the trade war going on between China and the United States, that has definitely caused concern 
with lots of businesses. And we talk about that in the classroom quite a a bit. It's interesting when you look at these tariff and trade um, tools that countries use against each other. Uh, The the, the term has been uh, used, um, geoeconomics, using these tools of of economics as uh, levers between large powers or between large countries and small countries. And one of the one of the things as we look at that from a geopolitical perspective is that sometimes it doesn't always um, quote make sense from a raw economic standpoint, right? That that countries are not always acting uh, in the interest of their own economics. At times, there are strategic issues, national security issues, um, or or even just ideological issues that will start to push and slide, and that can sometimes make it difficult for companies to uh, anticipate changes if they're only looking at the raw political process or the raw regulatory process um, in in the countries either in which they're doing business or the countries where they're they're oriented so uh, as you're working with with companies with students how do you help them get that fuller picture of what drives a country to make decisions that may have business implications, even if those decisions sometimes appear to be contrary sometimes to the business interests of companies within their own country. Yeah, this is a really tough one because this is something, again, we work on and and, and, and there's really no sort of sure way to do it. For example, one of the things that I talk about and we, we, we do in the classroom is is we track these relationships over time, right? So you can't, it's, it's really hard to, if you're trying to forecast what decisions are going to be made or, or, or what types of legislation are going to be coming out of the political processes, it's hard to do that in a short time frame. It really requires us to be able to track these relationships over time. And, and so I always argue that in these organizations, they need to have folks who are dedicated to, to, to this, to analyzing geopolitics and understanding these relationships over time. Um, because if you're just looking at it, and, you know, analyzing it and looking at it in the short term, it's really hard to predict uh, outcomes. Um, and even when you're analyzing it over the long haul, it's, it's, it's difficult as well. But you, certain patterns start to emerge. Um, and, 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 and again, you just need someone. This is something that requires, you know, constant attention, ongoing analysis. Well, thinking about that, then, um, one of the things that we've run into with uh, companies is is they're not quite sure where to put this geopolitical individual or unit within the corporation, right? Um, sometimes it falls into the the security department, um, which is traditionally focused, you know, often more on uh, the physical aspects of security rather than these broad strategic concepts. Sometimes they put it up in the C-suite in strategy or in uh, new market opportunities, uh, but clearly there's a need for it to have a centralized role, a role to understand both the future interests of the company and the existing construct. Uh, What are some ways that you've seen uh, either it be successful or that ideas have come up for where this geopolitical role fits within existing corporate infrastructure, or is there a need to start to develop something new? How I've seen it done most effectively in the organizations I've worked with is, believe it or not, in the strategy group, because it's part of the strategy group, you know, typically you see you have your analysts, and the analysts are constantly analyzing, let's say, the industry, the industry environment, the market environments, analyzing competitors and that type of thing. 
And, you know, and that information, the information that comes out of the analysis process is really what's used to formulate strategies and ultimately execute those strategies. Um, so what, what I argue is as part of that strategic analysis, you have to include geopolitics because that should be considered as part of the strategy formulation process. So that analysis fits really well as part of the, what I call the overall external environmental analysis. So looking at the industry, looking at markets, competitors, customers, and so on, but also understanding sort of the broader factors that, that affect industries and companies. And geopolitics is, is, you know, again, one of the most important sort of broad environmental factors that would affect that strategy process. Because if it's factored into the strategic, into the strategy formulation phase, so that understanding and being able to forecast where these relationships are going, if that's factored into strategy formulation, companies are more prepared for, for various scenarios that, that, they may, that may happen. So scenario planning is also part of that strategic analysis process. Hang on just a moment. Let's get back to our discussion. That, that strategic focus uh, clearly um, is where geopolitics resonates the most. I imagine there's also sometimes more tactical applications. Certainly companies are looking at the flow of information on a day-to-day basis and the way in which information moves today, um, the the competition in the information market space, everything appears as a crisis. Everything has to be seen as as immediate and high high impact. And from our experience, uh, a, a good geopolitical assessment also helps to reduce some aspects of that information volatility. It helps to put context around some of what appear to be uh, uh, extreme swings in the day-to-day and and make it easier for uh, companies to identify whether that is a short-term uh, anomaly or whether it's a sign of a long-term, uh, a longer-term or more sustained shift in direction or behavior within uh, a particular operating environment. Yes, I, I agree. And one, one other thing I'd, I'd like to add, too, Roger, is let's say, for example, um, on the international side, international business, right? You have folks that are on the front line. They're out. They're traveling. They're meeting with, with clients, with, with customers around the world. They, you know, those folks are also a very good source of information. So even though that integrating geopolitics and the impact it may have on the business and on the industry could reside in, in, in the strategy group, there should be processes in place so that, you know, really that frontline information can be sent back to those folks who are formulating the strategies and doing the analysis. And a lot of times that comes from the folks who are on the ground, the frontline, you know, uh, managers who are in these countries and are observing things in real time and, and, and speaking with folks on the ground. So, you know, there needs to be systems and processes in place so that information is flowing on a regular basis, and, and the folks who are responsible for formulating the strategies have access to that, to that information in real time. Yeah, it, so, it sounds a little like the, the uh, discussions I've had with, with some other folks that businesses used to have, particularly international businesses, they used to have things like country managers, um, and those were the people who really understood, um, quite frankly, the geopolitics of the country in which they were operating in. They understood the society and the politics and the economics and the history and the culture, and that helped them to make better decisions. And as as corporations uh, consolidated those into large area, right, you get um, 
all, all of Eastern Europe and the Middle East and Africa and a single person who's responsible for that whole space. As that consolidated, as companies tried to become more efficient with a smaller uh, footprint, they lost the, the inherent internal capacity to understand the spaces they were in. Now that the world appears more chaotic and, and uh, uh, less predictable, there's suddenly a recognition of that. And as you said, there, there still are people operating all over the place but companies need to work on ways to not only collect that information, but to then make sure that they have a space to synthesize that information from across um, the corporation. So that would also seem to, to signal that there's a really critical need for corporations to, re- to break down silos within their own organizations if they're going to effectively utilize geopolitical understanding and analysis uh, to feed back into all of their operations. Yes, I agree. And I've seen, you know, uh, I'd say probably the last few years, definitely right, you know, pre-COVID, um, where, you know, that process, that pendulum that you, you talked about, the consolidation, I'm seeing it swing back in the other directions where, where countries are realizing that just consolidating and, you know, you're having, you know, Europe, Africa as one division, it's really not an effective way to operate because there's so many differences across, you know, those wide geographic areas where you need to have people that are focused on specific, at least at the country level, right? And, 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 and talking about sort of gathering information you know, separate from the folks, uh, let's say, in headquarters that are formulating or you know, doing the, the analysis, um, going back to the folks that are on the ground, the frontline managers, if you will, um, having sort of a systematic way to feed that information back to, to, to the analyst uh, back at headquarters. So as opposed to it sort of being, you know, random ad hoc type information that they're gathering, which is important sometimes, but there needs to be systematic ways to get, you know, gather that information um, for, for, for folks, for the analysts that are actually working on the strategy formulation process. Right. And with modern information technology and communications technology, um, it, it should facilitate that uh, as long as it isn't seen as something onerous. And I imagine there's going to be an, an element of uh, getting used to it and getting used to what is considered relevant and what isn't. Because I know from my own experience um, uh, operating in other countries, sometimes uh, there are things that I will just sort of inherently know or see or observe. And and in my head, they won't be relevant to uh, somebody else. But in fact, perhaps they are. Uh, and, and it may take time to, to find the right balance between uh, sharing everything and, and only trying to be select about two or three things that one sees as tremendously important because it's that, that fuzzy information on the edges that gives you those first tingles that says, you know, I need to start investigating in that a little deeper. I need to look a little further into this issue because it may be portending a change in pattern. Yeah, it's a very good point because, you know, again, there's so much information out there, right? So there has to be some kind of way to filter out, you know, what's really important versus what's what's not as important. And, and, and that's a challenge as well because sometimes things that may not seem important today could you know, tomorrow all of, come, all of a sudden become, you know, a crisis. So that's, and I think that, you know, again, having a process to do that is difficult, but I think experience and gathering this information over time, I think analysts become really good at spotting things that, that, that have real importance or could potentially have importance for the organization. 
And in our discussion now, I mean, it's clear that companies that have operations around the world uh, uh, have this need to understand that, particularly if if our assessment here at Stratfor and Rain is correct, that we're moving back into a true multipolar system, and therefore the predictability of of international business is going to uh, start to wane. Um, there may be stresses on uh, international regulatory environments, on what are the, the basic norms of doing business, um, and, and increased competition over particular segments. So that becomes important. But I think that the geopolitics also then, therefore, is relevant for companies that see themselves only as a domestic company, but may have supply chains that reach out across the world and still need to be aware of those implications two or three or four steps back in their supply chains. And that that's another space that becomes important. You know, even, even as companies say, well, my supply chain has moved out of China, it's moved to Southeast Asia. Um, it may not, in fact, be free of China. It may be that most of the initial manufacturing is, is still in China and only the final assembly has moved to Southeast Asia. And therefore, those companies are still vulnerable to the swings in the political relations, for example, between the United States and China. Absolutely. And, 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 and this is something else I, I believe as well. So when we talk about, you know, we, we've spoken a lot about companies with operations around the world, but you're absolutely right. Domestic companies that, that are just doing business, let's say here in the United States or any other part of the world, they have to be aware of these things as well. Geopolitics will have a direct impact on their business operations too. I had an example. I was, I was uh, working with a, um, a distributor um, and this is this is funny because this this dis- distribution company based in Washington D.C. <clears throat> they specialized in PPP or PPE equipment, excuse me, um, and they were doing this long before before the COVID pandemic, right? So they were distributing ventilators and other PPE type of quit of equipment, and of course when COVID hit, I mean their business just exploded, but their supply chain. Went, it was wacky as well, and they really had to deal with some real supply chain issues to be able to, uh, uh, you know, deliver products on time to their customers. And their customer, their customers are mainly, you know, U.S. federal government agencies. Um, so I ended up working with them, but understanding the impact of, of supply chains and a lot of that equipment comes out of China and and and, and Southeast Asia really had a direct impact. And this company only does business in the Washington D.C. area. So it doesn't nowadays it almost doesn't matter how small or large an organization is they have to at least be aware of these geopolitical factors and how they could impact their business. Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting case in point and I think that companies are also having to learn how to deal with um the differences in technology regulations in different countries that are really differences driven by these geopolitical forces. So you think about uh, Europe and the GDPR, you think about the way in the United States is looking at um, finding ways to tighten connections between business and government to deal with cyber espionage and hacking and uh, hacking for ransom type of things, ransomware, um, the way China is has adjusted its information environment, um, requiring companies to store information in China, not to share it outside. And those types of complexities, and they're not merely technological complexities, they really do reflect frequently um, political drives and strategic drives uh, in the respective countries. And that path is not the same way. We, we, we appear to be moving more towards multiple 
systems rather than one single global integrated agreed upon system. Yeah, that's definitely where it's headed. And again, yeah, so that complicates the process that much more, right? And and but again, you know, a lot of it depends on you know, who's in power? So let's say here in the United States, as administration changes, right? So we just see the, the change in administration from, from the Trump administration to the Biden administration. Um, that has had major impacts on, on these relationships and even legislate, uh, um, uh, tariffs and, and, and things along those lines, right? So these factors are definitely, um, you know, even though it may seem to be predictable and it may seem to be heading, heading or trending in a certain direction, Internal changes within one country could totally change the direction of relationships between, you know, that country and other countries. So, yes, this is definitely an area that requires constant attention and and is impacting business operations on a day-to-day basis. So I'd love to keep us going, but we're we're pushing time here. Um, What would be the, the two or three things that you would recommend to to people in business or going into the business field um, that they start taking into consideration or that they they add to their toolkit to be able to start to think and manage in the, these geopolitical frameworks and these geopolitical risks? Well, I think when we, as companies are, are, and individuals are, are, are doing this type of analysis, let's say just really trying to understand their industries and and different factors in the, in, in the industry that could affect their individual company operations. I think they need to sort of broaden that analysis in a systematic way, sort of understand at least at minimum, I recommend sort of understanding politics, right? Just looking at politics and whether we're talking about local, national, and international politics and how, how things going on in that political realm could potentially impact their industry and their organization. But I also include economics and social forces, right? So at least understanding those three areas is, is, is really important. What we do in, in, in our classroom, in the classroom, is we actually have a six-category framework that we use where we analyze, you know, politics, economics, social forces, uh, technological forces. Um, we even look at factors that are affecting our environment, right? So the natural environment or ecological forces. And then finally, the legal regulatory environment. So really understanding those six segments of the broader environment and, and, and trying to monitor developments in those areas, um, I think, is really important. And it, and it just brings to light a lot of things that can go, you know, that, that, that can easily be missed. But if they have a systematic way, just something as simple as that, of analyzing what's going on in the broader environment, I think that's really helpful. And, and, and I think that's a good starting point for, for really becoming more aware of how these geopolitical factors um, could potentially impact their industry and their organization. Yeah, and if I would, if I would add, I would throw in, I think that it's, it's useful for people to uh, get a better grasp of history, not just the sort of the, the pop history that, that we have, but really to try to understand the history of the the countries or the regions they're operating in and the history of relations back and forth with the U.S. because that can help you at least start to identify patterns or flows and that helps you then move in as you talk about the social factors, the cultural factors to better understand them and then be prepared to learn how to dig deep when you need to into certain technologies that are that are out there 
that will help you understand how they're impacting, even if it's not in your industry, right? How does um, electric vehicle technology potentially impact your industry, not just in the sense of the regulatory environment, but it may also change the the, the flow of mineral patterns and therefore the relation of countries. So I think that that history and that technology are probably two pieces I would add for people to sort of develop on their own or be be willing to develop as they're thinking about moving in that business direction. Yes, I I agree. The historical perspective is 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 key, and it takes time to really you know develop that. But but yes, I do think uh, a lot of effort should be devoted to that because again, understanding history and the history of relations between various countries, you know, we tend to see history repeat itself, right? So it, it just it's helpful again in ultimately being able to at least forecast or have certain potential scenarios that could happen as these relationships evolve. So yes, I, I agree 100%, Roger, having that historical perspective. And, and you're right, as far as various technologies, there's so many technologies on the horizon that may not seem like a threat, let's say, to a particular industry, but could potentially have devastating effects on, on products being produced by uh, you know, an industry. So that is also key. And that's why we, we include technology as part of our framework, because you know, even though something may not have an application in a particular industry today, it could definitely have applications and impacts tomorrow. Dr. Stephen Smith is a management professor in the College of Business at Florida Atlantic University. Thanks again for your time today, Steve, and I look forward to keep working with you on uh, these issues of that intersection of geopolitics uh, and business operations. Thank you, Roger. Stay up to date on the latest geopolitical developments. Sign up for our free newsletter. Visit worldview.stratfor.com. That's worldview.stratfor.com. I'm Roger Baker, and thank you for listening.